0: the Data Skeptic bonus feed, where we release extended content on data science, statistics, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. Well, maybe to get started, can you tell me your full name and your
1: affiliation? So my full name is Charlie Maloney, and I'm the managing editor, I suppose also a journalist for AI Week, which is a media publishers about AI as it relates to businesses um, across industries. And we're really just reporting on how people can use it to save money and um, help improve their customer service, make life a bit better for their employees, and also just generally you know, be ready to compete in the future where you know these kind of intelligent technologies are going to be ubiquitous, as far as we can tell
0: absolutely and tell people how they can reach the your publication
1: so it's aiweek.io um at the moment we've also got access ai uh, which is what i've been writing for uh, that's been a very important part of ai week and that's www.access-ai.com uh, but from now on it's really going to be aiweek.io because in 2018 we're going to be looking at stepping things up with our you know a uh, very focused content um, plan and also an events suite so do watch this space for some uh, sometimes free and very informative events regarding ai and business so I'm going to take for granted that listeners know
0: about the Turing test, because we will have covered it on the show by now,
1: Great.
0: Um, and, or at least know about the Turing test in theory. So then there's the question of, well, are we going, actually going to conduct some of these tests at any point? And to my knowledge, the most famous one is the one we really got together here to talk about it. That's the Loebner Prize. Hmm. Before we jump into it, um, given you know, the nature of your uh, research and, and writing, are you aware of any other organizations or attempts or, or formal
1: Turing tests and contests that go on? Um, I don't know in great detail, but as far as I can tell, there are Turing tests of different um, formats that are go on. Um, I don't know the names, but I, I've, I've even heard that you know the Loebner Prize is not actually to the specifications that Alan Turing originally discussed in his in his work. I think it's slightly it's more in the spirit of what Alan Turing was talking about in that could a, and an ai or a machine talk to a human convincingly as a human but i was telling this to a friend and he said no 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 the, lo- the the turing test has been passed as alan turing originally described it but i don't really know about that it's probably true i'm sure people have been trying to do this for years
0: well that's a surprising
1: statement do you have more details about it actually being passed i'm sorry i really couldn't help you i can find it out for you and get back to you and send it over if you're interested
0: Absolutely, yeah. I would like to follow up on that, because to my read, and this isn't me saying that that person's wrong, but to my reading of Turing's original paper, we haven't had a pass yet.
1: Oh, really? Um, yeah, so that's an interesting thing as well, because the, the, the Loebner Prize also sort of allows for what you're describing, because the Loebner Prize, um, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's got three tiers of a pass, the bronze prize, the silver prize, and uh, the gold prize. So, you know, every year that it's been, someone has won the bronze prize, which is that overall majority of the judges vote that they were the best chatbot. They didn't... Mm-hmm convince anyone that they had been a human, but they were just the best out of the four. Uh, The silver prize would be if a chatbot could convince a human uh, that it was a human or fool them, and that's never happened, and that's where the big cash prize is. But then there's also something which I didn't know about until afterwards, is that there is a hypothetical gold prize. It's not on offer, and it would only really be something they'd look into doing if someone won the silver prize, but that would be, could a robot convince a human that they are human or, as I say, trick them in person, so not via the medium of talking to them over a computer. Um, now, obviously, that's a strange thing, and it does make you think about why they've only got the silver prize, um, and they don't really know how they would do that if someone did win the silver prize. But I think maybe that's to allow for what Alan Turing originally had thought about, you know, that full level of of uh, deception, if you will.
0: Ah, very interesting. And um, so you'd mentioned that not everyone says, oh, it's a a valid implementation of the imitation game. Um, The criticisms I guess I've heard are that, uh, well, actually, I've had trouble kind of making heads or tails of what exactly the criticisms are. Are, Did you go into that at all?
1: Yes. So I've seen the criticisms because uh, as as many journalists and writers, I spend a a, a probably slightly uh, unhealthy amount of time Googling my own name. And uh, (laughs) when I Googled my name regarding this article about the turing test i was looking at the analytics and i traced a, a share that i'd gotten on a, a a forum called chatbots.org and on this forum there was this whole thread about the Loebner prize so i saw that someone had shared my article and apparently i my article debunked some paper that someone had wrote that the best way to win a turing test was if a chatbot said nothing because then the, as, as happened to me in round one where one of the chatbots crashed, it's very difficult to know if a chatbot says nothing, if it's a chatbot, because you think maybe the other person I'm talking to is, is the chatbot, but I have no method for comparison. So it's actually like you have to take a bit of a leap of faith to be sure. Mm-hmm. Whereas the second that it talks, you can see all of the, the sort of obviously quick responses and the very botty language and sometimes it just gives you dictionary definitions and so then you know. Um but then as I've read through this thread, um people were people's criticisms were that, you know, the 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 Logner Prize is really about trying to get this deception and you know trying to create a chatbot that is dumbed down enough so that it can convince you that it's a human in some ways because obviously a chatbot's not going to make spelling mistakes and it's going to reply very quickly and it can give you dictionary definitions and that sort of thing obviously a human's never going to do that and so then you know that it's not human but if you're trying to make a good chatbot the, what i've been reading is they're saying why would you bother spending time dumbing down the device just to trick people into thinking that it's human and this is why people are saying that um, you know, there's only been a, a handful of winners over recent years, and it's quite biased in that respect. I don't know if that's true or not, but these are the criticisms that I've heard. And after the event, I was talking to one of the guys, uh, Will Rayner, who created Uberbots, and uh, he was expressing to me that you know he didn't he didn't think it was a good use of his time to put to write. Um, I suppose you'd call it code. I'm not sure. I'm sorry. It's non-technical, but he wasn't, he didn't want to spend his time writing the, the code, let's say, so that his chatbot was going to take time to reply slower or sometimes make spelling mistakes. Because what he wanted to do is spend his time uh, writing in the great responses that he thought would be, you know, valuable to a user rather than just tricking a user. Uh, I didn't necessarily agree it was a great way to bring the Logner prize. I can see what they mean when they say that maybe the Logan prizes focus should change from the most convincingly human chatbot to the best chatbot.
0: Sure, in a way, it kind of does both, right? The bronze prize is for best, silver is for most human, or do I? Is that kind of a good way to look at it?
1: I think it's a good way to look at it personally. I, I, I'm what I was explaining was the criticisms that I've heard, but the way it, I yeah. saw it is, you know, we we all were able to tell which chatbots were which. No one was ever fooled into being able to not be able to tell between a human and a chatbot. And then I felt that at the end, what we did is we ranked the chatbots in order of impressiveness. Um, I mean, it was open to interpretation, I think, is the thing, because you weren't really given a strict criteria to judge the chatbots. You just sort of did it on how you felt. So I ranked them from one to four, and I ranked uh, Mitsuku chatbot as number one and then i ranked rose chatbot at number 2 uh, which was not what a lot of people did because rose had had a real problem when it crashed um and Rose's creator, uh, Bruce Wilcox, was not on hand. He didn't manage to get over. It was a very long – I think he lives in America, so it would have been a long flight and a big investment. Um, but uh, the fact that he wasn't there, he couldn't deal with this glitch that kept coming mm. up, which was a real shame. And But I ranked his chatbot as second because I thought that when it was working, the responses it gave were really good and really witty and it had some really convincing answers for certain things. So I wasn't personally ranking them – in order of how convincingly human they were, I was just sort of giving my own spin on it. The ones that I liked the most, the ones that I thought had the best uh, answers, that's how I took it. Yeah, that makes sense to me. How did you wind up becoming a judge? So when I first started my role at um, AI Week, I was trying to get to grips with a lot of the big topics in AI. You know, when I first joined, I was coming as I said, from a non-technical perspective, but really I hadn't got much information about how ai works and some of the big concepts but you know when i think what everyone knows about is a turing test because as you say you've got the imitation game in the popular culture it's become one of those things like ex machina everybody knows about the turing test everybody's interested in the turing test i think it's one of those great events that gets people kind of into ai and the possibilities of it and the the questions that people like to ask about what it would mean for humanity or consciousness if a machine could perfectly imitate us it's a great philosophical question as well so i wanted to see if you know there were touring tests and obviously when you google touring tests you get the load the prize pretty quick and it was in england and it was in uh bletchley park which i've never been to and so it looked really fascinating so i just thought i'm going to get in touch with some of the people i'm going to see if i can get interviews. And, uh, lo and behold, they got back to me really quickly. They were all really enthusiastic. And so I wrote this piece about the, um, Loebner Prize because there was actually a, a quite current change because, um, unfortunately last year, um, Hugh Loebner passed away, the founder of the Loebner Prize. And, uh, after his death, they had decided they were going to change some of the fundamental protocols of the, of the competition. So originally it had been on a, um, on a character based system, which is what would have worked in Alan Turing's originally technology. And basically what that is, is that every time you push a letter, it comes through straight away, one letter at a time. Um, so, you know, instead of as we now have ubiquitously on, you know, our phones and on Facebook Messenger and such things, you send, you type your message, then you click enter and it goes the whole thing back in, you know, the year before in the Logan prize, you'd have seen the answers come through one letter at a time. So you don't know when the person stopped typing and there's all these, it's just not very modern. So they decided to change it from the, that older protocol to a new protocol, which is just like how we text a messenger now. Um, this did cause a lot of problems, unfortunately, as I'm sure there's always teething issues when you make a change like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were talking about how this is going to keep it modern. It's going to keep it relevant. So I wrote a story about that. And then they got in touch with me a couple of weeks later and they were like, Hey, you know, we usually have um someone from the media or journalist at the event would you like to take it up and I was just like yes definitely very cool and
0: uh, i'd love to walk through the experience uh, in the day of or maybe the prep work you know how did they uh, did you have to go through any training or anything and then you know what was it like when you sat down at the terminal that day
1: well no that's that's one of the interesting things about it you know they really are quite keen on the idea that you come in without any pre understanding or or preconceptions you're supposed to be completely uh just the the, the human representatives use talk as anyone else would and in fact they 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 counseled us that we should avoid posting much on social media or getting anything out there that could allow us to be identified as judges by the chatbot creators in advance um because although they had uh, you know perfect faith in the in the honor and integrity of the chatbot creators, there is a lot of money at stake. And if the chatbot creators knew a bit about us and the kind of things we were. You know the, the our backgrounds and the mm-hmm. way we spoke and such things they could maybe program into their chatbots some things that might be you know able to trick us i don't know exactly the way it would work but you can I suppose you can imagine they'd be able to put some stuff in there where you're like oh that's a bit uncanny how did they know that about me and then you might start to question if it's human or not so we really had to not learn about the chatbot creators so that we'd bias ourselves and we'd be able to know too much about their chatbots I actually had an interview I was going to set up with Steve Warswick about Mitsuku Bot because Mitsuku Bot's quite famous as a as a chatbot that's done so many things and won loads of prizes. And Steve is a very interesting character and been interviewed by the BBC and other news outlets. But when I told that to Janet Gibbs, who's the Logan Prize officer, she said, you know, please don't do that because we really, you can't know about this chatbot, otherwise you're going to be able to recognize it straight away. Mm-hmm. So when I went to Bletchley Park on the day, I was as much as possible. Uh, not knowing what I was walking into, and um, so you get to Bletchley Park. You know, it's a beautiful old, um, it's a museum now, really, to teach people about the Second World War and code breaking and 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 those kind of subjects because they've they've kept a lot of the the memorabilia from that time. You know, the the, the, the devices. I think they might have an Enigma code machine there somewhere. So it was a public event, and you know, people were all over the place. But when we went to the Logan Prize, we went into a, a smaller room with a projector. Uh, they had one of the little soft bank robots there. I don't know if you've seen uh, one of the pictures. In my article, I included yeah. they'd got a SoftBank uh, pepper robot to do the announcements and say who had won. So it felt very sort of like, you know, we're in the AI room now. Mm-hmm. And we also had someone outside trying to, you know, beckon people in Is like, anyone want to see some Turing tests over here, some AI? <laughs> uh, and we did get some people who came in. I think we had a pretty full house by the time that we started. And on the projector screen, there was examples of conversations so when we started talking it was going to be in real time you were going to be able to see all the conversations that people were having on the big screen and the audience were going to be able to see how the bots were doing and try and tell the difference between the bots and the confederates Um, i went into uh, the room where there was lunch and that is where the chatbot creators and the confederates who were the, the humans who were not pretending to be robots but the humans who were going to be speaking to us at the same time as robots and we would have to distinguish between the two so they were all there. Um, Jeanette Gibbs took me up to the Confederates and said, this is Charlie, he's one of the judges. They started shouting at her because that was not allowed. It was against the rules. So I hastily grabbed the sandwich <laughs> and left. Uh, went back into the judge's room. And it was just a, a, a monitor hooked up to a PC. And it was a very simple um, you know, user interface, just uh, two chat boxes, Um, and you just talk about, you just write in your answers, click send, and you've got one on the left hand side and one on the right hand side, just in the one screen. And then you kind of go on each round for 25 minutes, just talking to both. You're supposed to try and talk to both as much as possible to be fair. And, uh, then at the end of it, a little chat, uh, a little box screen will appear. And it would just ask you to choose is the left hand screen or the right hand screen the one that's um a robot and you just pick it. And it's as simple as that. So we did a few test runs and and at the end of it they said, okay, now we're gonna we're gonna give it a go. And so then we just jumped straight into it. And as I said, in the first round that I I did, you know, one of the screens just wasn't saying a single thing to me. So that was the round that gave me the most trouble. You know, you're sitting there talking to somebody and it seems very human and you're thinking, this is super convincing. But then on the other hand, you think Okay, I'm pretty sure it's a human, but what if the chatbot is just really good and I can't tell? And actually the screen that's not saying anything, what if that is a person who's gone to the to the toilet and you know that's why they're not saying anything. So is it a crash or is it a human who's just not at their post? So I had to just take a little leap of faith and say I don't think that there's any bot that's this good. And of course, I was right. But, you know, some year that goes by, that might not be the case.
0: Uh, So is it correct that um, in the protocol you participated in, you had two simultaneous conversations and you knew that one was from each class, class meaning human and and bot? That's right. Got it. Okay. And then uh, tell me a little bit more about the rest of the rounds you experienced.
1: Okay. So round one, as I said, was probably the most confusing because the bot didn't say anything but the humans started having a bit of a existential crisis you know the humans started to be like oh i think that maybe i'm trying too hard to be human you know i'm starting to imitate myself sort of thing it's one of those strange things that happens when someone comes up to you and they're just like okay be natural and you're just like how do i do that so then i think that gave it away a bit more the second round though was was much more straightforward and what i had expected so you 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 get into talking and you type a response to, I think it was my left-hand screen, and immediately uh the, the, this full sentence just fires back at you and you just say, okay, there's no way a human could have done that. So I start talking to this bot a little bit more and you say certain words. So I might say, uh, you know, did something concerning happen? For example, as a sentence. And instead of responding to that sentence, it would just say, uh, you know, concerning is to be worried about or to be, to, to, to think of something in a, in a, in a troublesome fashion. And it's just a dictionary definition. And it does that again and again. And you're just like, you know, whatever you say to it, it's not really understanding. It's just, you know, grabbing a part of the sentence and defining it, and then you just say, okay, it's either a really weird human or it's a robot. So I chose that it was a robot, and it was very similar in in most of the other rounds. Um, As I said, the third round, we had Rose, which is another quite famous chatbot and a previous Logan Prize winner. And, uh, this, this bot was pretty good. You know, there were times when I tried to, cause you try and be very confusing for the robots. You want to give people a tough time. And there's a lot of money on the line, so you feel you can't just take it easy. So sometimes you'd say things like, uh, uh, you know, parlez-vous français? Cause you think there's no, maybe they're not going to have programmed in any French. They're not going to know what to say. <laughs> but this robot was like, uh, this robot was like, I can, but you clearly can't. So I thought that was very witty and funny from the chatbot creator that they prepared for someone to try and be a bit smart and confuse it by speaking French. Uh, but then what happened is, of course, the more I was talking to the robot, eventually it just started saying, huh, you know, H-U-H, question mark. And everything I typed, it just said, huh, again and again. It got stuck in this loop. And then um, one of the problems with this chatbot is that, you know, the second you click enter, it's got a response back to you you know, within less than a second. So as it started going into this huh loop, I just started spamming keys on the keyboard. And it just kept saying, huh, and then eventually it was just gone. You know, I, I, I started typing to it and it wouldn't say anything back. So it clearly crashed. And then when it came back online, it came back with nice to meet you. Hi, what's your name? As mm-hmm. if the conversation had just started. So it really obviously rebooted itself. So that was quite an, a revealing moment as well. Although, as I say, with all the rounds after the first one, you just know immediately. You 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 want to prove it definitively, but you know straight away which one's a chatbot. And then the last round was Mitsuku, which is Steve Warswick's chatbot, um, and it was just there was just something about it. I mean, I I knew that Mitsuku was supposed to be. A very good chatbot that had won a lot of prizes, but there was no way of knowing for sure which one was Mitsuku. But when I started this round, I thought, okay, this is probably the prize-winning chatbot because, you know, I said things like, "Luke, I am your father," and the chatbot was like, "You sound like Darth Vader." So you just think it's kind of smart, you know. They've prepared for all these eventualities that might uh, that might come up. And I said, uh, you know, th- you can ask it like, "How long is a piece of string? How long can you hold your breath underwater?" It will just give you really witty responses, which is nice. And it, it feels like it's, it must have taken a lot of skill to have prepared for all the, to, to have creatively thought about all the things that someone might say. But there was a moment where the, it sort of slipped up. We were talking about, I said, can we sing a song? And the, the bot was saying, uh, I can't sing, but I can show you songs on YouTube. And I said, show me a song off YouTube, please. And then it spammed out this bit of what looked like a algorithm to me, which just said song off YouTube minus off YouTube equals YouTube equals. It's a website where you can watch videos and upload your own. So it just sort of showed the behind the scenes working of the bot. The algorithm just came out. So then the the illusion, if there is an illusion, was shattered completely. Uh, but apart from that, you know, it's pretty solid. And as far as I can tell, you know, that was a version of Mitsuku that Steve had created for the Loebner Prize. But if you talk to Mitsuku online, it would be a bit more seamless because you wouldn't see the algorithm. You would just see the YouTube video would pop up in the chat box. So that's one of its online features.
0: Mm, interesting. So I think you uh, picked maybe the best possible word to describe that bot, and it was witty. At least that's my interpretation of reading some of its conversations and things like that. And uh, I could almost, in my own words, phrase its strategy as saying that it doesn't really answer any of your questions. It just says something kind of witty that makes it seem like a, like it's making jokes or it's having conversation but actually dodging the conversation. Did did you look at it the same way or do you have a different perspective on it?
1: No, I think you're absolutely right there. I think that is that is the thing that you you see is the the main weakness of I mean maybe not a weakness, but that's that's definitely how it is. You know, the bots just uh, in 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 the it's in it's impossible to say that the bot understands what you're saying because Mm. that's just ridiculous you know the bots can i suppose they're using natural language processing of a sort and and they they can sort of get key words out of your phrases but there's it's very obvious that they are shielding their lack of ignorance with a joke that you know a human might make but it's really just you know they could have given that same answer to any number of questions right So there's some things they're very specifically able to answer, you know, maybe sort of the majority of queries you would send. But because there's so many things a human could say, they've kind of plugged up the gaps in their knowledge with these kind of catch-all phrases, as you say, these very general, witty-sounding, but actually don't really mean anything kind of responses. Um, And I suppose maybe one of the reasons for that, and uh, I don't know if it's a weakness or not, but I don't think that any of these chatbots use unassisted learning so one of the, the, the big famous stories in the chatbot world is the Tay chatbot that Microsoft released. Mm-hmm. And the, the really interesting thing about that is that just the more people spoke to it, and because it was a Microsoft chatbot that they'd put out there, a lot of people spoke to it. It was supposed to learn and just get better and have more answers to more phrases and plug up those gaps in the knowledge itself without having to be really super general and without the chatbot creator having to constantly think of new things people might say. But then, of course, the problem with that is that when 4chan, or I, I believe it it was 4chan but a you know a kind of hacker group decided that on mass they were going to speak to this chatbot and train it to say these really unacceptable things you know the uh, the, the stories out there you can find it but they you know the chatbot mm-hmm. was saying all sorts of stuff that would make everyone at Microsoft blush for weeks and still today I think and uh, that showed you that if you have totally unassisted learning then even though you might be able to plug up the gaps in that knowledge uh, without having to do the extra work, Eventually, that you leave yourself very open to the chatbot learning the wrong things um Steve Warswick was talking to me a bit about this, and he was saying that yes, he um r- writes all the responses from Mitsuku himself, which you know would mean that there's necessarily always going to be areas that he can't cover because just as one man, you know how can you uh, think of everything that anyone's ever going to say but sometimes, if people have been talking to the Mitsuku bot, he'll get an email from Mitsuku, I guess, and it will say i've." Learn this. Uh, should I add it to my knowledge base or should I just say that this is not relevant and I'll forget about it? So Steve can, there is an element of assisted learning where it can kind of learn things, but Steve has to approve it. So that sort of speeds things up for him as well because he doesn't have to think of everything. But what that meant was that it wasn't as vulnerable as the TeChat bot when 4chan actually tried to do that to Mitsuko as well, which it did. And there was one day where he woke up to all these emails with all these suggested things that Mitsuko was supposed to learn, mm. you know, like very Nazi stuff, like, you know, all this kind of really unacceptable content uh, that he just was able to say, dismiss, dismiss, don't learn this, that's bad. So, you know, that, that in that respect, it's a bit slower, but it's safer. Yeah, very
0: interesting. Um, so, can you tell me a little bit more about the evaluation process? You know, did you have to fill out a, a scorecard of some kind? Did you confer with the other judges? How does the pri- how does the um, committee or, or the organizing body end up at uh, the prize they award?
1: No, it was very simple. It was just you know on the screen it comes up. And, uh, you know, it says um, round one, round two, round three, round four. And you just, uh, I guess it's a multiple selection and you just rank them in order from one to four. Uh, We don't talk between the judges. Uh, You know, we were sometimes looking at each other and giving little wry smiles because we all knew we were going for a pretty interesting experience. But we were trying to all be very fair about it and not bias the process by um, I suppose, by cheating in a respect and conferring and, and and ruining each other's judgment with our own views. So at the end, it was just as simple as that. We'd done four 25-minute rounds. We've been there for an hour. Um, at the end of each round, we decided which was a bot and which was a human. And then at the end of the fourth round, we also had an extra chatbot that popped up and you just ranked it from one to four. Uh, you can't you can't give it too much thought because, you know as I said, there's no official criteria for scoring the chatbots. Mm-hmm. It's really just kind of up to you how you feel. And a lot, of the, uh, a lot of the people disagreed with me. I don't think that everyone put Mitsuku as number one. And I don't think that anyone put Rose as number two because it had that ha huh, glitching. Um, but you know, Mitsuku won on a majority vote, which was, I think, two out of four.
0: Makes sense. Was there ever a moment, and I think people would know the answers quickly if they read the transcript you shared in your article, but was there ever a moment when you thought that one of the bots might actually be a human participant?
1: Mm, I no, just no, no, not at all. There, there are moments where you you try and overthink it, and maybe you sort of think, well, maybe it's a human. But I think on a on a certain level, you know, immediately, and it really comes down to the speed at which the responses come, and it comes down to the lack of any spelling mistakes, and it just comes down to the sort of kind of very structured way the sentences are built. Uh, with the humans, it's just it's just there's more variation in the kind of responses they're going to give. They know things that a bot couldn't possibly know. And the bot, whilst sometimes, as I said, the chatbot creators have been very clever and they've given it, you know, knowledge about pop culture events, what's on TV, you know, maybe a certain football club, they can't account for the the range of, of actual knowledge that a human's going to have that they can fire back at you. And the delegates did a very good job in not, trying to pretend to be robots. They just spoke to you as a human would, and it was very obvious that they were them.
0: Makes sense. And based on your experience in the last contest, if you were invited to be a judge again next year, um you know obviously we don't know what incremental improvements the developers have been doing in that uh, year interim but do you suspect with another year of work anyone would con- uh, build a bot that would convince you or at least make this uh, impossible to determine which of the two chat participants you were talking to was the human and which was the bot
1: i i would be very surprised if that is possible within a year um it's 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 questionable whether that could ever be possible you know the I mean, we hear all sorts of things about the potential for language to get to, natural language processing to get to the point where you know the bots can converse perfectly naturally with a human. Um, but then I think that out of out of a lot of the things that people are trying to do with with AI and a lot of the problems that people are trying to solve, I think that the the conversing part, you know, getting a machine to speak like a human, is is one of possibly the maybe a bit of a foregone a doomed venture in some ways. You know, how could a machine ever talk like a human? You know, it's just, it just doesn't seem possible. You could get it to learn like via the Tay bot and just talk with people and eventually it gets to that stage. Or you could get it to, I don't know, just write a million different scripts of everything you could possibly ever think of that anyone's going to say. You know, someone could spend their whole life doing that. But I just think there's something about talking between people where you're always going to know if it's a robot or not. There's just something about it, especially any kind of, you know, tech savvy user who's you know, used the internet and seen what like a customer service bot is like, or one of those automated emails you get. It's just obvious, I think. I, I would, I would be happy to be surprised, but I don't think I'm going to be.
0: Yeah, I would agree uh, with most of what you said. You made the statement slightly stronger than I personally would. Uh, let me see if I understand your perspective correctly. Um, if one were to, so let's put the claim on the table. The claim is uh, a machine will never speak or will never uh, be able to pass the Turing test, and I don't know if
1: I believe that claim. It sounds like you do. So in the in this version of the Turing test, it's a human behind a computer and a machine on another computer, and they're just talking via you know like as we would on Facebook Messenger, right? right. Yep. Yeah, and I, and if they've got humans to compare with. You know, I'm not saying it's impossible because I know that there's a lot of very talented people out there who are working yeah. on some very complicated problems with some very intelligent solutions.
0: I'm also and saying uh, like within 100, 200 years, I'm not putting a time
1: frame uh, on it. Well, 100, 200 years, now that is a question. I mean, I, I don't see what – I suppose – here's, here's the thing. So, you know, as far as I can tell, there are certain things which are in exponential growth. Like they said that a, AI being a human at chess – is not really a matter of could it be done. It's a matter of when's it going to be done. Yes. Because of Moore's law, you just get the computing power in, and through brute force, you just look at every single possibility of the moves you're going to make on that board, and then you can eventually look at more than a human can or just, you know, by in that sheer power of processing power, you're just going to solve that problem. That is not a question of um, if it's a question of when with language you know i don't think that it's quite the same because although they say there's the amount of moves on a chessboard is as many as like stars in the universe whether that's true or not i don't know i haven't really tried to do the maths but language is, is not really quite as straightforward as that there's something about it which it, it doesn't seem to me like a something you can solve through an algorithm i think it's it's always going to be nuances to it that n- are difficult to put into any kind of programming you know whether it's you know binary or whatever it is i just think you can't really capture what it is for humans to have conversations where we understand each other so much of conversation is about context it's about shared cultural references you know there's there's things that you know a bot would have to live its whole life as a human to maybe be able to understand those things but then as i say i'm i'm sure that there's every chance that i'll be be proven wrong sooner than we might expect
0: yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what the future brings.
1: Indeed, it will be.
0: So, uh, I know we discussed it at the beginning, but uh, to wind remind up, me again, how people can follow your writing and the organization you're a part of.
1: Sure. So, at the moment, what we uh, we have a few different outlets. So, you've got AIWeek.io. So that's AI. Uh, w-e-e-k and then dot i-o uh, so that's uh, where you can find about all of our stuff you know you can download our media kit you can look for our upcoming events and you can check out all of the features that we're doing you know the webinars we've got podcasts we've also got a series of ebooks you know we've got ai and marketing ai in business uh, you know how to uh, implement uh, these kind of things we do a magazine uh, the ai magazine a bit more sort of uh, just to focus on some of the people who've really been bringing in some great innovations in business, we do financial institutions, we do customer service, we do marketing, we do sales we just we're really trying to look at all the different possibilities and uh we're at the moment um AI med event uh, in Orange county uh, where we're looking at AI in the pharmaceutical industry, healthcare um, and all of those things so we are quite broad, but we we our main focus is just on how it can be used. Um, by pr- professionals uh, for the benefit of their their colleagues and their customers and their business as